delivering the message today, and I would like to welcome all of you here to Noblesville first, whether you are here in person to worship with us or whether you are at home. And if you are at home, I would like to remind you to light your candle to remind you of the presence of God, just as we light it here to do the same for us. Please join me in the call to worship. O Lord, in you we find refuge. Turn your ear to us, O God, and save us. Let us sing out our praise of God's steadfast love. We will offer God all glory and honor this day and always.
unfailing love that you have shown toward us and for the compassion you shower upon us. You alone are our God. We are your people. We pray that your Holy Spirit would move among us as we worship. Open our hearts and our minds to see you at work among us, encouraging, challenging, uplifting, and inspiring as each one has need. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Hello, I'm Julia Kozicki. Our scripture today is from the book of Matthew, chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had left the Sadducees speechless, they met together. One of them, a legal expert, tested him. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? He replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You must love your neighbor as you love yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. We are thankful for the gift of scripture. Amen. Well, Paul, are you ready to practice for our message that we're going to give on Sunday? I think I'm ready. Is this our last rehearsal? I think so. So um, <laughs> let's go ahead and pray even as we rehearse. O oh Lord, our God, you are our rock and redeemer. May the meditations of our hearts and the words of our mouths be acceptable to you. May they fall upon ears and hearts that are willing to hear, so hands and feet will act and mouths will speak your truth. All this we pray in your Son's holy name. Amen. Well, Paul, for the past three weeks, the preachers have been sharing their insights on trick questions that Jesus were asked. The first was, is it right to pay taxes to Caesars? The second was, if a man was married multiple times, which wife will he be with in heaven? And the third was, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? The preachers shared their insight on these questions. In each instance, they presented Jesus as a teacher who gave them something new to consider as they were understanding God's law. Jesus does it again today when asked, what is the greatest commandment? In fact, Jesus' answers today silences the Pharisees from asking him any other questions. If we would have read a few more verses, you would have heard those words. The Pharisees, upon hearing the Sadducees, were unsuccessful in trapping Jesus into saying something that would get him into trouble with the religious authorities. So they pose another question. Remember, the Pharisees were the strict adherents to the law and traditions of the Jewish faith. They knew the law of God inside and out. The lawyer who asked the question knew exactly what he was doing. And he believed that he would topple Jesus with this question, that he would bring him down for sure. And they would no longer have to worry about Jesus' popularity with the crowds and whether or not Jesus represented God's divine authority. Their religious beliefs and their power 
would remain intact. Paul, do you think that the lawyer knew exactly what he was doing, as I have said? I do. I, I think that he made a, a pretty tough trap and along with him all the religious authorities that were putting him up to it. And I love how Jesus didn't take the bait. He came back at them with the incredible response we heard in the scripture reading. And since we're asking, I took a little time to explore how Jesus might have come up with that answer. The Sadducees and the Pharisees, through that lawyer, all wanted Jesus to, at the very least, embarrass himself in front of the crowd that day, uh, and, you know, maybe giving some inadequate answer, or maybe he'd really say something bad and they'd have an excuse to arrest him and get him, just get him out of their way, which I think is really what they wanted, right? Either way, his authority had to do, his, his authority to do what he had been doing in the temple would come into question. Now, everyone knew the Ten Commandments. Well, Paul, does that mean Jesus was giving us an 11th and 12th commandment? Well, I don't think so. Well, maybe. I guess we'll have to think about that. But, okay, no. But where did Jesus get these words? This is what I think is so great about his answer. What he said was straight out of the Torah. And you can find it yourself in, in the Old Testament. So the lawyer asked his trick question, knowing there is a whole list of smaller commands uh, that come out of Torah, come out of the Law of Moses, and they're known as the mitzvot, and they come from Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and they bring detailed context to the Ten Commandments, and they give additional guidance to living and working in support of them. Now there's a list of 613 of these individual mitzvahs from the Torah. So Mary Eileen, I think this sheds a little light on what Jesus means when he says all the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. Because all the law would include not just the Ten Commandments, but all of those mitzvahs from Torah. So the lawyer was asking not just about the Ten Commandments, but all of that of all of those things that are in Torah, which is the greatest? And I have a few examples here on the monitor. Do not oppress the weak. Don't gossip about others. Don't take revenge. Don't bear a grudge. Learn Torah and teach it. Honor those who teach and know Torah. Don't inquire into idolatry. Don't follow the whims of your heart or what your eyes see. So that question, teacher, what is the greatest commandment of the law? Now we know. They were asking about more than the Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments. They were asking about the entirety of the law of Moses. Which one of those 613 plus the Big Ten is the greatest? So how would you answer that? I don't know, Paul. I don't even know if I could learn 613. But what do you think? Now you're going to put me on the spot, aren't you? I am. Well, I think the genius of Jesus' answer is how he went straight to Torah. When he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your uh, heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, he was quoting Torah. Quoting, and you can find it in our Old Testament in Deuteronomy 6.5. And for the second commandment, love your neighbor as yourself, Jesus also went to Torah. 
to what today we Christians call Leviticus 19.18b in the Old Testament. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against any of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Look at that in the monitor. <laughs> I mean, that, that actually is in that list. How about that? Right out of scripture. That answer really put Jesus' accusers on yep, the spot. Yep, it's there. Yeah. I mean, they're really on the spot. Because what are they going to do? Question Torah? I don't think so. And these scriptures were well known not only to the lawyer who asked the question, but all of the religious authorities. And if there were any bystanders around, they probably knew those scriptures also. What a great answer. But it still begs the question, what does it mean to love God and neighbor? You know, we talk about this as Christians. We read it in the Bible. We hear it in messages at church. But how do we actually live it out in our own lives, Mary? Wow, Paul. Well, seems like a trick question in itself. There are so many concepts of love, but I'll give it my best shot. It's a trick question. It is a trick question. For me to love God with all my heart, soul, or being and mind is to give my whole self over to God. I develop a relationship with God that involves my feelings, my faith, my intellect, and even my strength, which Mark and Luke add to their version of this story in the scriptures. I love God because God first showered his love on me, as 1 John 4.19 reminds us. I nurture this loving relationship by giving God my time to understand his teachings. Psalm 119.27 says, Let me understand the teachings of your precepts. Then I will meditate on your wonders. In my understanding of the law, I use my mind and wisdom of others to unravel God's teachings. The Apostle Paul says, Do not be conformed any longer to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I do all this with all my strength, a strength given to me by God. Isaiah 40, 29 through 31 tells us to put our hope in God and our strength will be renewed. We will soar on God's behalf in living as God's children as we give ourselves over to God's authority in our lives. How does loving God help us to love our neighbor? Well, Paul, before I answer that question, let me share this story with you. Growing up, I was never one of the cool kids. I was overweight, and I was a tomboy. Never wore makeup, actually, until I was a senior in high school, and I still wear very little now. Just to say that I was not one of those cool kids again. In my senior year, our seniors at our school decided to form a pep band because our school was so small we could have no other um, um, type of band. Um, I went to a Roman Catholic school that was practically brand new, and I, that's another whole story to talk to you about how we had to raise money to save that school. But anyway, 
Um, the pep band did not have a lot of money, therefore. So we found pieces that we could play, and we all worked together to arrange the music to fit the instruments that we had. As we did this, I was developing a friendship with another member of this group. And we began to pal around school during that senior year. Well, evidently, this didn't sit well with one of her friends. And one day when I went back to my locker between periods and opened it up to get some other things out, this note fell. And that note was from this friend. It was a scathing note about staying away from the girl which said, she's my friend, stay away. To say the least, I was devastated. I began to cry there right on the spot, Paul. But Mr. Raymond, whose room was very near my um, locker, drew me aside to his room, and he comforted me. And he told me with these words of wisdom that God loved me, and I would soon be going off to college where I would develop friendships, but not based on high school standards of being cool, but rather true friendships based on who we were. I held on to that as I finished out my senior year. I also found that what Mr. Raymond said did prove to be the case for me. I'm not sure about everybody else, but I still have four wonderful friendships from my college years. But Paul, I'll tell you, to be ostracized in this way changed me tremendously. Ever since then, I've tried to treat others like I would like to be treated, inviting and including others into our community and any community is a high priority for me. When I recommitted my life to God, living more fully in God's ways, I committed myself all the more to loving others. Now, I'm not perfect at it, to say the least, but it's always the ideal I strive to achieve, especially when it is difficult to love someone due to our differences. Loving my neighbors as myself as means I live the golden rule Jesus gave us in Matthew 7:12. Jesus said, So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. This is exactly, Paul, what Jesus said at today and in today's reading. Maybe there were really three new commands Jesus gave us. What does this mean? This means being patient, forgiving, kind, humble, calm, a champion of truth and not evil, and seeking good for others if I expect good to be done to me. And these are just a few of those virtues describing what it means to love in the Bible. And they are found in the great love chapter of 1 Corinthians 13. And here are a few more from Colossians 3 as the writer talks about clothing ourselves as God's children. Some are the same as the above with the addition of compassion, gentleness, and bearing or supporting one another. 
The writer ends in verse 14 by saying, Over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Because I love God, God wants me to clothe myself with all the virtues that exhibit God's love to others. And in the end, it means that others know I love that them. Can you imagine that, Paul? If we do this, we just, just think of the impact we can have in helping God's kingdom come here on earth. Paul, does any of this make sense to you? Well, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. You know, one way to live out Jesus' answer to the trick question is to make the two commands he gave that day central to your life. Use them as a guide for our daily actions. And what you've shared with us fits right into the context in which Jesus said them that day. For the first command from Deuteronomy also forms the basis for a Jewish prayer that was and still is prayed twice daily, called the Shema, after the first word of the prayer. Shema means hear. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So the recitation of this prayer from Scripture is meant to express a commitment of loyalty to keeping covenant with God by loving God fully, obeying God's ways, and teaching our children to do the same. But Mary and me, in Hebrew, Shema doesn't simply mean hear, as in our ears perceiving sounds, our eardrums doing their thing and that being transmitted to our brain. It doesn't. What else does it mean? Well, what, it, what they really mean here is, by Shema, is listening, really listening, taking note of what has been said and responding with action to what has been heard. So this twice-daily prayer calls Jews and indeed all of us to live out our commitment to God, putting into actual practice our love for God. And this seems to bring us full circle back to our question. What does it mean to love God with all that you are and your neighbor as yourself? The Shema provides a great way to think about this. We can hear in the prayer how the Jewish people were going to do this. And I pray that as a Christian I can daily find a means to do what God intends and the way God intends for it to be done. Not just by words, but by my actions. In fact, James writes, you must be doers of the word, not hearers. And Mary, I think up to now, much, much of what we've said, we've been talking about, mostly about our individual actions. You did mention community, and loving God and neighbor only starts with us as individuals. Love can spread so exponentially and bear so much more fruit when we express our love for God in community, as community. And I think of an orchestra. Each individual instrument is necessary, each playing its own part, and if they all engage in this act cooperatively, 
cooperating with each other and follow the lead of the conductor, the result is harmony and beauty. But it only takes one instrument, one musician not holding up their part or not following the conductor, and the harmony begins to descend into chaos, and the beauty is lost. And I've discovered, along with these great people back here, the same is true with choral singing. During the big pandemic lockdown, when our church was closed to all but live streaming from an empty sanctuary, a group of chancel choir members under the instruction of Dr. Jeffrey Wright, while we were all locked down in our own homes, recorded video clips of ourselves individually singing just our own part of a piece of sacred choral music. I can share with you that for me at least, it was a very humbling experience. Hearing how we sound all by ourselves without musical accompaniment, without the support of other choir voices, but when all of the individual performances were brought together with the piano accompaniment, the whole was so much greater than the parts, and I'd like you to see how that happened.
These two love commandments belong together, covering our relationship with God and our relationship with others. The first entails the second. The second presupposes and is dependent on the first. Love of God is understood as a matter of reverence, commitment, and obedience to the Creator and Redeemer, and a reflection of that reality in the ordering of our own lives that acts toward others for their good, their well-being, and their fulfillment as we seek fulfillment in our lives too. Let's pray. Loving God, we pray to know your purposes and make them our own. To know your will and shape our lives around it as a start toward loving you with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind. We pray that if we can take this first step, we can then learn to love ourselves without arrogance and hubris. Finally, Lord, we pray that when we properly understand how to love ourselves, we will be fully prepared to love our neighbor. Hi, David McKenzie here, Student Ministry Director, and we're doing 200 envelopes again. Students have been working really hard here to put these 200 envelopes together. It's a fundraiser that we're doing to support the student ministry. One to 200 envelopes. You come in, you grab an envelope, you take the dollar amount for whichever envelope it is, you fill it up, you give it to the church office. And the funds are going to go towards improvements in the Vine Student Center, the mission trips coming up this fall, and the retreat coming up in July. Get a group together, get your small group, your prayer group together, you can, you can grab whatever envelope you choose. Grab more than one envelope if you'd like. Grab as many as you as you feel led to grab. Absolutely uh, appreciate and we're, we're humbled by, by your donation. So all of the support for the student ministry so that the students can really experience what it's like to reflect God's grace on the mission trips and to just be in community with Christ. Hi, David McKenzie here. Good morning. We would like to share some announce with, announcements with you, whether you're online or here in the sanctuary with us this morning. I have a funny feeling that Pastor Jerry is probably watching with his wife, Nancy, where it got down to 32 degrees last night. <laughs> well, Pastor Jerry, if you are watching, it's going to get all the way up to 31 degrees here today. <laughs> As far as announcements, now would be a great time for you to take out your connection card and write your name and perhaps your phone number or any changes that you have on your card. And we also have prayer requests and ways that you can help serve your church in the kingdom of God. It's also greenhouse time at Teeter Organic Farm. Can you believe it already? Uh, this Tuesday, February the 1st, we'll be opening the greenhouse to start our seedings 
for the 2022 season. Returning and new volunteers are invited to join us on Tuesdays from 6 to 8 p.m. beginning February 1, which is this week, or Thursdays from 9 to 11 a.m. beginning February 3rd. Details can be found at teeterorganicfarm.com. We would also like to share the announcement about Indiana Pacers hosting a Faith and Fellowship Night as they take on the Cleveland Cavaliers on Friday, February 11th at 7 p.m., at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Included with admission is a 45-minute concert following the game featuring Christian music artist Jonathan McReynolds. In addition, you can get a Pacers hat, a voucher for a hot dog, chips, and a pe Pepsi product, and you can see the students' names highlighted on the LED ribbon board at halftime. Find more details and a link to order tickets, visit noblesvillefirst.com forward slash Pacers. All 6th to 12th graders and their friends are invited for a youth group on Sunday evenings in the Vine from 6 to 8 p.m. This six-week study examines how high school students spurred a 1970s nationwide revival by unifying in Jesus Christ at the time of integration. Learn more at noblesvillefirst.com. We invite you to visit noblesvillefirst.com and click the next steps graphic to register your attendance, to give online, request a prayer, and link to opportunities to volunteer and also to study and to connect. And if you are visiting for the first time today, either in person or online, please reach out to our hospitality coordinator, Pam Kaplinger. She'll be out in the hall after worship wearing her pink jacket today, or she can be reached at pkaplinger at noblesvillefirst.com. At this time, we'd like to pray together for today's offering. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the many blessings you continue to bestow upon us, including the shelter of this church building, the warmth of our community together, the food on our tables, and the true word in our holy Bibles. We offer you praise and remember how you have always graciously served us all the way to the cross and beyond. Multiply it all, Jesus, to help the many and not just the few, and to use us to help make this so. We pray this in your mighty names and with many thank thankful hearts. Amen.
We'd also like to share some concerns and joys with you this morning. Please add Meg Tomlin to your list of prayers. Meg returned from Florida last weekend after a fall and suffered a fracture to her hip. She welcomes visits, cards, and emails during her stay at Riverwalk Village for rehab over the next week or two. Please join us in prayers for Bill and Joyce Boyce recovering from lingering side effects of COVID. Bill with kidney problems and Joyce with bone and joint pain. We also celebrate that last Monday, January 24th, our church hosted the Versity Blood Drive in Celebration Hall, which reported back to us they had one of the best turnouts since January of last year. 34 life-saving donors came out and they were able to collect 27 units. That effort will help to save 81 lives. We celebrate with diversity in all these efforts and recognize the selfless love of all who donated blood to save the lives of others. Thank you. And also Jane Myers reports that Ron was discharged from the hospital and is now at home to continue his recovery. They are hoping to have him in shape to play some golf this summer. Please share your prayer concerns using the website link to prayer requests or use the Noblesville First app where the prayer request form is also available. And you can contact your pastoral care team for upcoming surgeries or pastoral needs at care at noblesvillefirst.com or the 24-7 care line at 317-773-2590.
join in reciting the call to prayer. Almighty and everlasting God, your power is incomparable and your love beyond our imagining. You are hidden in mystery and yet so present. In a hectic world, you are peace and rest. In a harsh world, you are tenderness and mercy. In the cold and dark of winter, you are light and comfort. We pause in your presence to hear your voice. Open our ears to hear your call. Open our minds to understand your truth. Open our eyes to the work of your kingdom and equip us to do our part. Amen. Now please join together in a moment of silent prayer and take to God what's on our hearts. Then I will follow the pastoral prayer and then we'll say the Lord's Prayer together. Let's pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, and by most Holy Spirit, thank you, Father, for this holy day of worship and rest. Call on us, Holy Spirit, and move us to love you and to love others, not just today, but every day. Make us aware of those in need around us, to see the hungry and the hurting, to comfort the lonely or the fearful, and to help bring the lost to you. We love you, Jesus, for being our almighty God, the one we can trust, the one we can love, the one we can count on when all else seems to fail. Thank you for your faithfulness to us. And thank you for the Lord's Prayer that we say together now. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
sanctuary today and as you close off online. May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. In the name of the Father, Son Jesus, and Most Holy Spirit, amen.